Welcome back to the Truth for Doubt discussion series. This week we have back with us biblical counselor Clay Elliott, and he is here with us to yet again tackle the problem of evil and how we can talk with people who are going through tragedies in their own life and bridge that to the gospel. So we hope you enjoy this discussion. Clay, welcome back to the Truth for Doubt discussion series, man. It's, Thanks. It's good to have you sitting right across from me yes. right now. Staring lovingly into your eyes. Yeah, I don't like it. Something. Stop staring so intently. (laughs) Yeah. So, for those of you who don't know, give a little rundown of who you are. Sure. I grew up a Yankee, right near Chicago, uh, and quote-unquote defected to the South. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, have lived here for about 18 years now. And I went to seminary in 2006 to 09 uh, and have a master's in biblical counseling. My undergrad was in biblical studies from Union University. Um, And so for the last 10 years or so, I've had a small private uh, biblical counseling practice here in Jackson and Three Way in Humboldt. And I also now am the last, for the last four years, I've been the member care guy, counselor, and prayer pastor for Contact Mission USA that is a European and international church planting organization. All right. So, all right. So there's last, that. last time you were on here, um, we talked about different ways that biblical counseling and apologetics overlap, right? Mm-hmm. But we had some people who wanted to know a little bit more about the problem of evil and sure. how how not only how you would answer it uh, apologetically, but how you would also deal with it from a biblical counseling perspective sure. as well. But before we get into all of that, so you you've met like Al Mohler and mm-hmm. you've met like Heath Lambert and yada yada yada. Sure. But yeah. one of the most interesting facts about you is that you oh have met the Fonz. I have. It's true. Right. Did he let you wear the leather jacket? Man, he was the coolest guy in the world. Was he really? Oh, yeah. He has a $3 million smile and is warm and inviting and shakes your hand. And I I was able to talk to him a little bit and so forth. It was Man. it was a good time. And you're best friends fun. now. And we're BFFs now. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for anyway, sure. I just want to put that With out the there funds. because I think that's There's one that. of the coolest things. <laughs> But anyway, so getting back to the actual topic at hand, uh, we do want to try to get it somewhere, some sort of progress with the problem of evil. So that's sure. why I had you on, so yeah. that you can finally solve it for us. Oh yeah. So go ahead, Clay. What, Thanks, what man. Is the answer? I appreciate to the, the uh, of evil. boost of confidence. Yep. <laughs> um, but no, really, we really do want to try to figure this out because you and I have talked about this and there are so many people who are hurting and struggling with different things in their lives and it all comes ultimately from just the evil that takes place in this world and they want an answer for it yeah so what I thought that uh, we could do right off the bat is kind of go through some preliminary definitions I guess because when people talk about the problem of evil they're usually talking about one of two things. When you have the problem of evil, there's two separate branches. The first being natural evil, which is which are things like earthquakes and uh, diseases, um, people dying from tsunamis and things like that. But then the second 
is moral evil. And so that includes things like murder or theft or, you know, even the inward emotions that we have that mm. are not good, yeah. like jealousy or rage or lust, sure. things like that. Sure. So I think it's important to kind of distinguish those two things because when it comes to natural evil, the uh, honestly, the explanation is is found in Genesis 3 you yeah. know, with, the, with sure. the fall of uh, man and with the curse that's put upon the, mm-hmm. put upon the earth. Taking a, a, a step further, yeah. almost like an intimate step further, there's a difference between physical suffering, right, because of the problem of evil, mm-hmm. or suffering due to our sin. And one of the things that you said was moralistic evil, mm-hmm. right, is like murder mm-hmm. or theft or jealousy, rage, these kinds of things that are intrinsically in our being it's mm-hmm. in our heart it's not something that has happened to us it's something that we have done ourselves right that cause consequences to occur that are mainly negative yeah absolutely absolutely and i think you know going along with that people want when when they're struggling with those different things, people want what's called like a perfect theodicy. Mm-hmm. They want, and a theodicy is basically an explanation for evil. Sure. Uh, and so they want a perfectly lined out or laid out explanation of not only of where evil came from, but why it God allows it to happen, mm-hmm. why God's allowing it to happen to mm-hmm. me, and why God hasn't like delivered me from it. They want all of those answers. Sure. Because we're all... You know, we want black and white. There's no gray area. Yeah, exactly. That we want, right? Exactly. Yeah. And unfortunately, I'm, at least in my personal opinion, with there's no perfect explanation for sin or for not sin, but for evil, yeah. um, which includes yeah. sin. Thanks for letting us off the hook. I appreciate that. Oh yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> we will end the podcast now. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it very much. Become a supporter, and please. I'm out. And we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but there are like defenses. There's apologetic Certainly. defenses for, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. the Bible or not for the Bible, but for the problem of evil yeah. and God's sovereignty in that. Sure. But I guess we're, we're mostly here right now to talk about how we would, I guess, counsel people or how we would go about explaining things, um, to them when it comes to the problem of evil. And so one of the things that I, I do want to ask you is uh, how do you deal with people who, who believe that, evil that they're experiencing in their own life mm-hmm. is God punishing them yeah. and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the very first question that we have to come to grips with is whether or not they're a believer or an unbeliever. That's very very important because from um one perspective, we can utilize the life-giving uh pages of scripture, right? And they hopefully as a believer they would believe that and know that scripture governs our very existence and our very life. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different ballgame when you're talking to someone about the problem of evil and punishment who does not believe that God is who he says he is and that he's sovereign. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so your my counsel or someone else's uh, conversation will look very, very different because obviously non-believers 
don't care if you use the Bible mm-hmm. because they're they're like, well, it's almost like a non sequitur for me because I I don't have uh, that in my headspace because mm-hmm. I don't care whether or not the Bible is true or not. I I, I feel this way and evil is all around me and I need an answer for it. Um, I think that it's really important uh, for us to set up, no matter if it's a believer or non-believer, we need to set up two very important things, all right? So there's a difference between punishment and discipline, okay? Even in a, in a very basic level, there's a, there's a difference. So let me read a, a, a couple of definitions here, okay? of each one of those. Discipline is the practice of training someone to behave in accordance with rules or a code of behavior. So teaching someone, rebuking someone in a way that will teach them how to uh, abide by certain rules and therefore change their behavior, right? That's discipline. Punishment is something entirely different. To punish is to inflict suffering for the past behaviors. So, as you said in the beginning, if I were to go out and murder someone, what is a consequence? What is my punishment that would fit that crime? I would go to prison, right? That is punishment for the behavior. There is capital punishment. We won't go into all of that today. Uh, that's saved for another time. So what is your thoughts on capital punishment? Uh, do you have 83 other podcasts that we can do that in? Uh, but I think that it's really important to understand the the basic difference between um, discipline that teaches and equips and comes alongside someone to allow them to see uh rules and regulations law mm-hmm. right i wouldn't know that i was speeding unless someone taught me that this 55 mile an hour speed zone is 55 miles per hour what is the punishment now for going over that if i'm going 70 in a 55 and i get pulled over what defense would i have my punishment would be I would get probably a three hundred and some dollar ticket. Mm-hmm. You see, mm-hmm. so there's there's a big difference there, and I need um, I think people need to understand that difference in order to um, get somewhere in this argument of evil, right. in this conversation of evil. But more importantly, what what I'm going to um, what I'm going to say, uh, and what I'm Wanting to uh, bring all of this discussion to fruition is in the Lordship of Christ. And our hope can only be found in Christ alone. And so there's a big difference between his discipline Mm -hmm. and God's executive judgment and punishment on his people Mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. Right. Right? So that's, that's the first one. Discipline. Versus punishment. Mm-hmm. The second, um, and I would say, uh, is probably even more important than that. 
in our society right now, we have a whole lot of mantras. Just do whatever feels good. Nobody's going to help you, so you better help yourself. You just have to love yourself. You're basically such a good person. You help little old ladies across the street. You've not murdered anyone. You're essentially, you try to do right, Mm -hmm. right? You pay taxes on time, (laughs) right? Right. Christy and I just went through our our tax thing. That's why that was on my head. (laughs) So, uh, So there are all of these mantras that will ultimately in our society call you a quote unquote good person. Right. Yeah. Right. And whether or not you're a believer or not, everyone has a conscience. Everyone has morality and is able to understand right and wrong. And I think the most important thing for us to try to come to grips with people in this problem of evil is what's going on in our heart. Spiritually, your conscience, your convictions, right? If I believe that I am relatively good from birth and I don't need anyone to rescue my behavior, I don't need anyone to help me understand what is good, then I I would have a very, very significant issue with this problem of evil Mm -hmm. because I think everyone should be good. Right. And my, like I'm, I'm a, basically a good person, so why are all of these bad things happening to me? That's it? exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. It's only when we understand that we're not necessarily intrinsically good. I, I'm, I'm certainly quoting scripture here, but, uh, you know, King David, Psalm 139, says, Surely I was sinful at birth, even before my mother conceived me. Right? Um... But but even even more than that, because I know me, I know myself, and I know all of my own thoughts, I'll just tell you right now, some of them are not good, <laughs> right? Sure. And so I know my own heart, essentially, and my heart is bent toward selfishness, toward what I want, toward my expectations of who I believe I should be, who I believe others should be for me, and who I believe God is supposed to be mm-hmm. for me as well. And if those don't line up, then I'm sunk, or then I get very angry because I, I'm confused why evil is happening or why suffering is happening, like you just said, because I attempt to be a good person. Right. Morally upright. So if we understand that we're in a sense morally bankrupt, and it's only because of God's creation or common grace that we have anything uh, in the way of goodness. Mm-hmm. That's where I believe someone needs to start a conversation Mm -hmm. because whether or not they're a believer or non-believer, if they believe that they're moral and upright and ethically sound, then they're going to have a very, very difficult issue. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, um, so a lot of people will use the argument that 
because of all of this pointless evil that is going on to me or or not even to me specifically but in the world that you know therefore there can't be a god or at the very least there can't be a good god yeah. because again it goes back to that you know why would a good god allow these bad things to happen to me who's a basically a good person sure um and just speaking apologetically you know one of the answers to that is uh from this man named i think it was michael ramsey's uh who works with the uh, robbie zacharias mm-hmm. ministries mm-hmm. and he, he put forth the analogy that um you know suppose you take a uh take your dog to the vet mm-hmm. and uh you you put him on this cold metal slab you have this doctor that's uh, or this this stranger that this dog doesn't know uh, you know, poking them and prodding them yeah. and, and sticking needles that you know are putting fluids in them that you know possibly you know burn because it hurts getting shots. Sure. Um, and all of these you know horrible things are are going on to this dog and he looks up to the owner just with like what is going on? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? And you as the owner know that everything that's happening to that dog is happening for a good purpose even right. though that it, it, it even though it's scary even though it's painful at the moment mm-hmm. uh, it's all for the good of that dog and for that dog's health yeah and so just because the things that are going on in our life right now uh, that are you know bad and evil and are, are even we may even be physically suffering that doesn't necessitate it being meaningless or pointless uh, just mm-hmm. because we can see a point to something doesn't mean it's not there. Uh, and so just speaking apologetically, it's kind of a cold comfort answer, but it is a defense for for some of the problems of issues that arrive when people or that arise when people are saying that, you know, pointless evil means that there can be no God. Sure. Along with that, I would completely agree. One of the things that I would say also is um, a, a question that was posed by an early church father, Jonathan Edwards, and he said, what is the end for which God created the entire world? And that includes humans. Mm-hmm. Why did God create us the way that he did? And the answer is uh, twofold, I think. The very first thing is to bring himself the, more, the, the most glory, do his name, right? We do all things in accordance with... We, we aspire to do all things in accordance with his will, mm-hmm. to bring glory and honor and praise to him. But the other side of that is that he doesn't stop until we are holy. Especially those whom God says are his. He doesn't stop. I may reject it at, at, at times. Um, I may, I, I shouldn't say reject uh, that's that's too strong of a word. I may buck against it, right, uh, and hate what is happening to me. You know, the last couple of years, I've dealt pretty significantly with physical pain. Um, for the last 22 years, I've dealt with chronic pain, but in the last couple of years, I've dealt with a lot of pain in my in my uh, head, vestibular system, uh, one kidney. Um, lack of energy, and I was always the go, 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 go kind of guy, right? And I thought that um, my resilience or self-reliance, I passed off as faith. Mm -hmm. And what I 
am still trying to grasp a hold of is not not only is God um, completing good work in those who love him and are called according to his purpose, but he's never going to stop until I have my ultimate comfort. Comfort in this world for anyone says from from our humanistic worldview says it's whatever makes me happy and i don't want to feel discomfort and so anything that can stop the pain right so it's pleasure or rest or doing whatever we can to seek that happiness and that pleasure holiness is a whole different ballgame. So our our definition or my definition of comfort is vastly different from God's definition of my comfort because what he is seeking in me is my good but also holiness and character that looks more and more and more like his son Jesus Christ mm-hmm. as I am being sanctified. Right. Yeah, and what's crazy is that, or it's not crazy at all, but um, what I think you can also kind of make a connection with possibly unbelievers as well is that, yeah. you know, that that holiness, that spiritual growth, um, it's a lot harder to achieve without adversity. Absolutely. And and I sure. think you can make kind of make that bridge with unbelievers there too because, I mean, if you want to be good at anything, if you want to be the, the best athlete, if you want to be the, the top mm-hmm. of your company or whatever— mm-hmm. Um, then you have to, you've got to sacrifice and you have to struggle through adversity in order to make that, you know, make it to the top. And when explaining this, you know, the problem of evil and suffering to the unbeliever, why, you know, if you're a Christian, why would God allow you to to suffer that way? That's an answer. Like that's a solid answer of being, it's for my holiness's sake in a a way. That's right. Um, And, uh, and you can, I think you can make that connection there. I do too. I think one of the things that would be difficult for uh, that conversation is that they believe that they're the ones that have gotten all of the success mm-hmm. that they've been given. Mm-hmm. They didn't. Oh, like yeah. They right, didn't get it, it free of charge. They worked and worked and worked and pined and right. blood, sweat, and tears to become that CEO. And I was a self-made, self-taught man or woman, mm-hmm. and I'm going to bulldoze anybody that's in my way. Mm-hmm. And yet what happens when that perfectionistic mindset is questioned or you come to real adversity, not just in your company, but in your personal life as well? Mm-hmm. Because you're going to end up, if we are in this life, because of original sin, because of the problem of evil from the very beginning, we will have trouble. Mm -hmm. Jesus said it very clear. In this life, you will have trouble, but take heart for what? I, Jesus, have overcome the world. Mm -hmm. The, The trouble comes when people believe that they're the ones that can salvage and save all of their relationships and all of uh, their money, all of their success and everything. And the fact of the matter is, 
trouble and suffering and trials um, don't just come to a certain select group of people. Mm-hmm. Right. They they are the human condition, mm-hmm. meaning it is holistic, <laughs> meaning it is a worldly thing. Right. So when you're when you're actually counseling someone and they're they're struggling with this issue, is is your main goal to I guess switch their spiritual mindset towards their suffering and instead of have it, you know, maybe focusing on uh, all the negative attributes that that evil is putting onto their life. Mm. Do you try to, I guess, switch the frame around and get them to look at or get them to try to find what God is doing in that suffering? I think it's twofold. I think it's the latter of what you said. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the one of the really really significant things that I that I need or desire people to understand is the more you think about all of the negative. Uh, I personally have a PhD in the negative. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I can go there. I can jump down that rabbit hole in a quick hurry, and you know there's a couple hours, three hours to go by where I'm still pining and and stewing over something. And the fact of the matter is that mode of thinking and that um, those ruling desires that are in my heart don't help anything. Mm-hmm. It's only when we understand that in our weakness, then Christ is strong. Um, it's only when we realize that there is purpose in our trial there's purpose in our suffering there is um, a good god who desires for us to come to him all those who are weary and he will give them rest uh that's that's the first thing so you're right getting them to realize that there's purpose Mm -hmm. it's through um through fire He's going to test the quality, the quality of each man's work, right? And so we're we're being refined. Um, but I think the other thing that many people uh, lack, and including myself at times, is what do my sufferings help other people understand right. about their own condition? Mm-hmm. Is there purpose? for others in my suffering Mm -hmm. is there a connection between what i deal with and how i can be purposeful and help others in those same sufferings right or not even just in those same sufferings but can i relate to other people through my own pain yeah that hits uh second corinthians one where it's talking right. about some of the uh, one of the reasons why we do suffer the things that we suffer is so that we can help others that's in exactly their right. suffering. Yep. And I think that that man that's such a telling verse. That's right. Because we get so self-centered in our suffering, mm-hmm. you know, uh, whether it be, you know, all the struggles that you've gone through um, or the not near as bad struggles that I've gone through and yet I 
will spiral down to into sure. this, you know, sure, you know, horrible place. Um, but regardless, we're always so focused on us getting better instead of um, instead of how we can use the things that we're struggling with right now to share the gospel with somebody else or to pull someone Love else out and of, help yeah. and nurture other people because. Right when we're able to be others centered, the things on earth grow strangely dim mm-hmm. in the light of his glory and grace. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, I think, um, that would be the, the place where I would aspire to head with counselees mm-hmm. is not, not to ignore what they're dealing with, what they're going through, because obviously it's happening. Right, and it's happening yeah. to someone. There's emotion. There's um, there's physical pain that can happen, but there's spiritual issues there as well. Even if you're a non, uh, you're an unbeliever. Mm-hmm. There's there's spiritual implications for all of the things that happen to you and in your life. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I think that the the main opportunity that we have is to. Allow them to see that God's comfort in our suffering isn't null and void. It's what if it's to help not only yourself, but help others. Mm -hmm. Because the more that I try to pick myself up by my bootstraps and keep it moving, Mm -hmm. the more I falter. And why is that? Because it's me trying to do it. Right. Yeah. And if I'm able to be others centered, if I'm able to uh, love as Christ first loved me, uh, that's everything. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So like yeah, I think it's I think it's that, man. I think that is one of the myriads of reasons why Christianity is so unique because in Christianity you get a purpose in suffering. And in nowhere else does does evil have any sort of point to it, mm-hmm. um, or in fact, there's a lot of uh, Eastern religions who believe that uh, that suffering and evil is simply just an illusion, and you just need to just ignore it or strip all of these things away from from your life, and this illusion will just mm-hmm. dissipate. Yeah. Um, but but like you said, you know, having that understanding that evil and suffering. While yes is just that evil, it is working a purpose. But I think what you said about it being, and what Scripture says about it, not only being uh, purposeful in our own lives and having a greater good that is being stored up for us to come, mm-hmm. um, which is it's true. That's right. It's still kind of um, focusing on the self, but it's still you know a hundred percent true. Mm-hmm. But it also has a good for someone else as well. So yeah. it's got a purpose for you, and it's yeah. got a purpose for someone else. And so I think that's a, a huge, a huge thing when it comes to doing that. I think it's important, too, to let people know who, people who are listening, who are talking with someone who's going through these things, that I don't think these are things that you can get someone to understand within one conversation. Absolutely not. No, I don't think so either, because there are so many variables, so many thoughts and feelings uh, and perspectives. I mean, think about it. Everyone comes to the table with their own presuppositions, right? Their uh, thoughts on the matter, 
that may or may not be factual, right? Um, and also with their own worldview. So my worldview, while it's, uh, it aspires to be what's called theocentric or Christ-centered, right? A biblical worldview. And yours desires to be a biblical worldview. The things that have happened in your life are not the same things that have happened in my life. So our worldview in that regard is different. And so my perspectives on the problem of evil or or shame or guilt or wh- what have you are different mm-hmm. than what you bring. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the thing that binds all of these together has to be not only scripture and and Christ, right? Because he is our only hope, but even on a more basic level, our our humanity. Because you talk to an unbeliever about this stuff, and he, he or she has a thousand questions. If God is good, why does he let bad things happen to good people? I walk little old ladies across the street, like I've said. I, I do my taxes. I try not to gossip. I haven't uh, murdered anyone. And so I think what ends up happening is we put levels on sin, right? I haven't murdered anybody, so I cheated on a test. It's not that bad. It's not as bad as Joe over there who, you know, murdered two people in cold blood. And man, I'm glad I'm not him. Remember the Pharisee (laughs) Mm -hmm. that was uh, praying out loud, very verbosely, that said, man, I'm just thankful I'm not like this other guy. Right. You know? Um, And then there was uh, someone who believed he was a wretch. And he he wasn't um, worthy enough to even be heard by by a loving God. Or which one went home with more redemption? It was the latter. Not because um, he, he said, well, I don't you know, deal with all of these other things. It was because he understood how wretched of a person he was and in need of grace, in need of something greater than himself to help him Mm -hmm. understand not only his humanity, but to rescue him from himself. Right. That's the issue. Somehow we have to be rescued from ourselves because I, as Clay Elliott, know that I'm the worst sinner that I have ever met because I know my own heart and I know my own thoughts. And for someone to essentially tell me that all of my sin has been taken away and there's grace and freedom now and I don't have to suffer in guilt and shame any longer, that's everything. Yeah, and I think that's everything for for two different types of people. I think it's everything for people who are, you know, just like the Pharisees who believe that, mm-hmm. you know, they are they're ultimately good because they you're right, they do need that humbling. They need do need to understand that they are that wretch who desperately right. needs that that grace and love. Um, but I think it's also important for those who have the understanding that they that's are right. the the wretch and yep. they fully accept that. 
and they believe that the evil things that are happening to them, like we talked about before, mm-hmm. um, are these, uh, or it, is God punishing them? And yeah. not in yeah. a loving, yeah. um, uh, directing them towards himself kind of way, but mm-hmm. in a angry, vindictive, yeah, vindictive way where yeah. uh, they've sure. done something wrong, they need punishment sure. for it. And I think that understanding of God's grace and how you said freedom and this freedom from uh, guilt and shame mm-hmm. is it, is such an important thing to be able to convey to people who believe that they are being just just punished by them sure or by god there's there's a um passage in romans chapter one that uh speaks quite a bit to this um sort of concept of um what we would call common grace or creation grace of of god and and i think what really really is important is we need to understand again the difference between God's executive or executing judgment and punishment versus his in, immense grace in sending Christ so that the the punishment that you and I deserve that the people that struggle with being angry about the problem of evil and don't understand why a good God would do what he did um there's an important distinction between uh, what Christ has taken on himself, and that is our punishment. And therefore, God then, um, according to Hebrews chapter 12, disciplines those whom he loves. Discipline is only for a time. Punishment could be eternal. It could be um, 60 to 100 years here, it could be um, fatal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so what, let me read this. Uh, it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and following, it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal purpose or his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. That right there talks of God's justice it talks about the um reality that even people in a village in papua new guinea can look up to the heavens and see creation and realize that it was a higher being that created all of this so that we are without excuse now why do i why do i talk about that why do I say that in this whole issue of the problem of evil? Because God didn't have to, due to this right here, understanding that people are without excuse, God in his sovereignty did not have to save anyone. He could have allowed all of us to be 
damned to an eternity in hell. But in his sovereign purpose, in his grace, he afforded us the opportunity and he said, I will be non-just to whom I will be non-just. And I will give the greatest gift in that the world has ever known, and that is my son Jesus, for the hope that now we have because of believing in Christ Jesus. That right there, whether you believe in that, that God is sovereign and is um, good, or whether you are still reeling over uh, this, I don't know, what if God is still evil? What if there are um, so many bad things? All I see in the news, all I see out outside is murder and theft, and uh, where is God in all of that? I think we need to... That's not, the, that's not the right question. The right question is, where is God not? That's a horrible sentence. <laughs> sentence structure. But God relented. Even though evil came into this world, he was loving enough. He was zealous enough for his people that he sent Christ. And that is the hope of all nations all people. And you know what? The fact of the matter is, and I'm, I'm thankful that you said this at the very beginning, but some of this argument or some of this discussion has to be left open to the manifold wisdom and mystery of God. Right. And we have to be willing and able to say, I must have faith to realize that I don't know it all, Michael, listen, man, the last couple of years, I had no idea what God was doing. I bucked against the pain. I have dealt with um, sorrow and sadness and sickness and so forth. And I, I, there were times that I, I wondered. There were times that I doubted whether or not God's hand was still upon me. But in the final analysis, when all the chips are down and everything goes away in this world, when all of my idols are stripped back and there's no way and there's nothing else for me because of the pain, who's going to be there? My hope rests in knowing that Jesus Christ is there yesterday, today, and forever. That's that's the greatest answer for anyone. Mm -hmm. Believer, non-believer, person that is battling this question of why does evil happen and can we get rid of it? No, we can't. But we do have a God who is faithful and just and forgives and cleanses and comes alongside even the greatest amount of evil and suffering in this world and reorients it for his good glory and purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Make sense? Yeah, no, it really does. And I think that, I mean, you're absolutely right. There are times where we do have to leave certain things up to mystery uh, because, you know, 
you'll have people who will, as we said at the very beginning, who will always want to have these perfect explanations of you know where evil came from and why right now they're they are specifically struggling with the things that they're specifically struggling with. That's right. Um, and from our finite perspectives, we can't always tell them the exact reason why they are struggling with something. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I've always and we and I shared this before uh, before we started recording. But one of the things that has always given me comfort was the story of Joseph. Yeah. Um, because I mean, just horrible things happened to Joseph. I mean, he was hated by his brothers. He was uh, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, accused of uh, raping his master's wife, thrown mm-hmm. into a prison. And just, I'm sure, I'm positive this entire time, he's probably asking, you know, why, God, are you allowing me or allowing me to go through all of these horrible situations? In a dungeon? And, yeah. yeah. And why aren't you delivering me from these <laughs> things? And, yeah. um, and you you read through it. I mean, the, the stories, and I think it's, is it Genesis 35 through 50? Is yep. that right? That's yeah. correct. Boom, there we go. Yep. Um, I got my Bible badge. Good job. Day. All right. Yeah, man. Um, this sword drill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so anyway, you, uh, you, you read through the story and you, you see all the pieces coming together at the very end where the reason why God had him go through all these things is because man, he, he saved not only Egypt, but the surrounding areas mm-hmm. from, from a famine. And yeah. not only yeah, that, right. but you also see the, one of the greatest displays of forgiveness in the entire Bible, that's exactly you know, right. After Christ, obviously, yeah, uh, where he forgave his the very brothers that that sold him into slavery, saying the things that you did for evil, that's right. God intended for good, that's right. And that is a hard thing for us to wrap our minds around. Yeah. That there is the evil that you're experiencing right now. There is a greater good that you will experience than if you hadn't have gone through it. Mm-hmm. That's really hard to understand. Oh, uh, or yeah, and I hope that I worded that correctly. But sure. so all of the bad things that Joseph experienced, if he didn't experience those things, then it would have been good. He would have had a good life, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't have been the ultimate good of saving Egypt, forgiving his brothers, and coming to That's a right. loving relationship with them, and ultimately foreshadowing the forgiveness of Christ. Yeah, uh, in the New Testament. That's why I appreciate also Isaiah 55 uh, that that says, His ways are not our ways, yeah. and His thoughts are not our thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So when, when we're going through the things that we're going through, it's, it's hard to imagine it. But, well, it's not too hard because you often think back past tragedies or, or bad relationships or something like that, and you're like, yeah, that was a rough thing that I went through, but now I can see how God worked through it and I am better now than I would have been if I hadn't have gone through it. And that's the hope we have in Christ. And I think that is the only, again, Christ in the Christian worldview is the only worldview that offers that kind of hope. The significant issue also is there's the opportunity or not opportunity. There's uh, there's the potential for two different perspectives in trial you can either run away from god and seek pleasure seek idolatry seek uh happiness and try to fulfill and fill your heart's desire with something or some things or 
you can fall into the arms of Christ and really hone in and rest with him as Lord and Savior. The issue isn't, um, I don't think the issue is when you come out of a, a painful situation that I can, I can go, oh, now I get it. I think that that's true. But when you're right in the heart of the struggle, the last thing that you're thinking is, you know, I'll bet right, yeah, God is yeah. using this for my good. Right. Yay, I'm so excited about this, <laughs> yeah. right? And so I think the the difficulty is when I I make sure I tell people that are that are talking to their friends about this subject. Don't give religious platitudes. Don't say, "Oh, God's working all things for good." You know, yeah, right. You, you just had your second miscarriage, or yeah. you just had to have um, a third knee surgery right. on the same knee in six months. You know, God's working it all for good. Yeah. Amen. Well, sometimes those religious platitudes just act as a, a just another knife in the wound. Oh, absolutely. And what ends up happening is, you talk about worldview. What does that do to their thoughts of evil in this world and things that happen to them that are horrible? They don't they don't want to look heavenward. Mm-hmm. Are you serious? They they want a fix. Right. They want their need to be fixed. Right. They want to hold their precious child in their arms. And in 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 some way shape and form, I think the other thing that we need to do with suffering people is shut our mouths and just be with them. That that may or may not answer the problem of evil, but what it does do is allows people to understand that there is the ability to find rest and hope and comfort. And if we are, uh, you know, a friend is is born for adversity and sticks closer than a brother. If we're able to just be with them. You know, one of the things, I don't know if I said this on our last podcast or not, but, you know, what about Job and and his buddies, his friends? For a full week, they were brilliant. Why? Because none of them opened their mouth. <laughs> and they were just there. Can you imagine... For seven days, not saying anything, and just being present with someone mm-hmm. in their struggle. Physical, emotional, spiritual difficulties of life. I think where we, where we fall is we try, like you said at the beginning, we try to have an answer for all of these things and no matter what, we're going to come up wanting because we're not God. Mm-hmm. And praise Jesus, we're not God. At least me. I'm thankful that I'm not that. Uh, I'm not Him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But what I can do is I can be with people and and help ease suffering with my presence and with realizing that, like we said before. The difficulties, the trials, the suffering that we have gone through, we're able then to think other-centered 
and to be with others in their same struggles. Mm-hmm. And that right there, we aspire to point them to Christ because of that, not because of all of our answers that we give. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's tough, man, because, I mean, you you really do. I mean, it's it's the same in, in apologetics also. I mean, one of the best things that you can do, and I, again, I think we may have talked about this on the last one, but for mm-hmm. those who didn't listen to the first one. That's uh, right. <laughs> uh, don't go back and listen to it. Or do. But or do. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Just not back-to-back, because it may be a little redundant. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. But anyway, but with apologetics, one of the things that you often want to do is, as soon as you hear someone um, like bash God or something like that, mm-hmm. you want to jump to his defense. You want right. to give a reason for sure. uh, for why their argument is wrong. That's correct. And right. while that's, that's noble and that's good, mm-hmm. and at some point you do need to do that, one of the best things that you can do instead of having that knee-jerk reaction of just answering their their question right off the bat is is to be silent and listen uh, and mm-hmm. ask questions ask like you know ask them how they came to that conclusion That's and right. different things like that and i think the same principle can be is applied here from what you're saying and be rational yeah about the whole situation right and listen like yeah. you said yeah. absolutely so I think that's a lot of good advice. I think one of the things that that we kind of hinted at that we can't ever fully explain, even though some some Christian apologists try to do it, and I don't fully agree with a lot of the answers that they give mm-hmm. for the origin of evil. Yeah. Um, you know, some say that it was a necessity because of human free will, and a lot of apologists that I highly respect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of push that, push that example. But the issue with so many of these different uh, theodicies mm-hmm. is that the only authority at all that we have for evil, because it is evil is, it's only a, a metaphysical reality. Like That's we right. experience it in the physical world, sure. but you can only explain it metaphysically. Yeah. Um, because if you come from an atheistic, naturalistic worldview, then evil is just nothing because there's no real moral standard or anything like that. So, but all that aside, um, the only authority that we have for anything metaphysical, anything spiritual is the Bible. And we are just not told in the Bible why God allowed evil into the world or how it was created. We know that God is not the author Mm -hmm. of evil. And like we said a little bit, earlier there are things that that our finite minds can't comprehend and honestly i don't think are meant to comprehend yeah um and so when we are talking with people and we are trying to um, give them comfort for the tragedies that they're going through in their lives i think we need to be careful to not play god and try to give them answers that aren't found within the pages of scripture and i'm not saying that those uh, Christian apologists are trying to play God. Sure. Um, but I do think that sometimes this this philosophizing of the problem of evil mm-hmm. gets us a little bit further away from helping others who are actually struggling with things. Not only, not only struggling with the question of evil, I think at the base level, they don't necessarily even want to have the answer of, what is the why is there evil? They want to know why is there evil in my life? Right. Right? 
Why is there suffering in my experience? Why is there trial happening to me? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Scripture does talk about suffering and how we are to uh, look to Christ and how we are to understand suffering and difficulty and trial as joy because it's uh, it's finishing its work uh, to a, a weight of glory that we could not even fathom. Right. So I think it's important for us to realize that it's not necessarily always, hey, I need definitive, 100% factual proof evidences of the problem of evil. It's why is there evil happening to me mm-hmm. and in my life because I don't deserve it, Right. you see? Yeah. And, and that's where I think a lot of people need to, like you have already said, listen mm-hmm. and rightly identify why they're saying what they're saying. Yeah. Because then you don't do religious platitudes there. You are able to be very helpful in asking pertinent questions and then walking with them in their suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, man, I think it's time to put a cork in this evil That's bottle. Correct. Uh, good but good times. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for doing this again. You bet, man. Me. It was awesome. Um, I hope I appreciate that it. people can take principles out of here that they can apply to the struggles that they're that they're going through and that their friends are going through too. You bet. Sure. Um, so uh, if you have any more questions or want to know a little bit more about this particular topic, feel free to email truthfordoubt at truthfordoubt.com. Or no, not truthfordoubt.com. That's not how emails work. Truthfordoubt <laughs> at gmail.com. There we go. And uh, Clay, can they, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, I have a couple of emails. You can go to pathoflifecounseling at gmail.com or... Uh, go clay at gokmusa.org. And I would love to talk to you more about practical ways to help folks. Uh, and I'm that practical guy that uh, wants to know how to live out God's word. Yeah. So praise the Lord. And um, thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. Yeah, no And problem. this is uh, something hopefully that we'll do again. Thank you for listening to the Truth For Doubt discussion series. If you would like to know how you could support the Truth For Doubt ministry, please go to truthfordoubt.com give or visit our Patreon page at patreon.com t4d.